Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Pow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck of files? That's it for today. That's not the end of the show. It's just all of the listing of the names. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome back from your childhood regression. Welcome back to being an adult if you've made it back after visiting your parents. Uh, those of you who didn't visit your parents and had the casual Thanksgiving with the friends, God bless you if there is such a thing for, uh, for laying low. I hope you didn't get too nostalgic, but you probably made a choice. You're like, I'm not going to engage Look, I don't need to go there every year. Maybe uh, you, you don't talk to them. Whatever it is, I wonder if you had a nicer Thanksgiving. It's weird. With all the uh, tsuris, as they say in the old days, the old Jew days, with all the problems and, and emotional weight of uh, spending time with family, there's something about not doing it that makes you miss it. I'm not sure what that is. I mean, I know that I felt that because I didn't go down to uh, Thanksgiving at my mother's house last year. And I felt that uh, I felt sort of a burden off, but you're sort of like, well, how many years more of this do we have? And, you know, maybe I should have been down there and I wish I could have been down there. And and then you go down there and after about a day or two, you're like, well, you know, I've had enough of being down here. Had a lovely time. Can I just say that? Because I know this uh, that my mother listens to this and uh, we had a good time. It wasn't uh, the food was great. The company was pretty good. Uh, I didn't freak out too much. My, yeah, there was a Brussels sprouts issue. It's amazing how your brain will lock down on shit. You, you know, you, that there's a perfection you're aspiring to when you cook. At least you want to cook what you set out to cook and you want it to come out the way you want. You don't want obstacles like shitty Whole Foods Brussels sprouts. Whole Foods can go fuck themselves. All of them. I don't know why I get suckered into it. I I buy a couple of things there when necessary. And I thought I was down in Florida. I believe I went to the La Ventura, the Aventura Whole Foods uh, to get a couple of things that I needed for Jessica's uh, meal because she goes healthy. She goes veggie. So I figured, well, fuck it. I'll pick up the Brussels sprouts here. And and I got a bunch of those bags of Brussels sprouts where you really can't see clearly. And I swear to God, at least 45% of those Brussels sprouts were fucked. They were brown. They they were fucked up. They were slimy. They uh, they And I couldn't see it. And I had to peel and, and I had to do such surgery on every Brussels sprout just to get to the clean, nice Brussels sproutism that is at the core of them. And I like Brussels sprouts. I know some of you are dismissing this whole dialogue uh, because of your aversion or fear or, or trauma. Uh, Brussels sprouts related trauma is not unusual. But uh, I was so furious at Whole Foods. I wanted to burn them the fuck down. You can't just sell shit. How about a little produce check? How about a little keeping things turnover? Do it. Take a look. We're not all suckers. I didn't have time to go back. You fucked up my Thanksgiving uh, vibe with your shitty Brussels sprouts, Whole Foods. And somebody ought to be punished. I think the entire food chain should be punished. They were overpriced and they were bullshit. If you're going to pay, you know, cost that much, I'm not, you know what, dude, pull back, pull back. Now I have Brussels sprouts related trauma. Look, uh, I have an important guest to me on the show today. uh, Mr. Jay Maskus, uh, the, uh, the mastermind behind the band Dinosaur Jr., 
Now, some of you may not know John Dinosaur Jr., but they uh, they changed my life. Dinosaur Jr. shifted the whole musical paradigm for me in the in the early 90s. I think 1991, something happened. I was living in New York, and two things happened. Uh, I was sleeping on a futon on a bed frame that I paid a lot of money for, but that was the only thing that was above the floor. My stereo was on the floor. My CDs were on the floor. Books were on the floor. I had a table. I had a table. But I remember the day... Or the week that Nevermind by Nirvana came out. It was just everywhere. I I, I don't recall anything like that happening uh, except for when Van Halen 1 came out when I was in high school. And it was just everywhere. Everything. You just heard eruption everywhere. And the same with... Uh, with Nevermind. It was just everywhere. It was coming out of every car. It was coming out of every record store. It was everywhere. But right next to it... And I, you know, I hope that Jay doesn't take offense to this, but just right, I don't even know what the, uh, when they dropped, but there, there was Green Mind, Dinosaur Jr.'s Green Mind, 1991, which, uh, you know, what drew me in initially was the poster for Green Mind, which was like this 14 year old girl smoking a cigarette. It was a found photograph. I'll talk to Jay about that. But that record, and never mind, it was like everything was different between Dinosaur Jr. and the sub pop stuff. Everything was fucking different. Jay Maskus and Dinosaur Jr. just changed music for me. It, it was the beginning of this wave of everything shifting. And I don't even want to call it grunge. He's a fucking genius. And the the reason I'm sort of prefacing it, for those of you who don't know who Jay Maskus is, is that this is not an ordinary interview. This is an interview with a guy I have a, uh, a tremendous amount of respect for from a different world than me. He's a musician. And I, I don't know how to put it. I was I was so excited to talk to him. And I remember I ran into Dave Cross down in Venice Beach. I said, I'm going to be interviewing Mascus. And he said, well, good luck with that. And I'm like, what does that mean? And he goes, well, he hasn't talked much. And I'm like, oh, really? That's all right, man. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to lock in and I'm going to engage. And it just, he's just not a, a big talker. It's not that he's cagey or hiding anything. He's just I think he'd rather be, uh, you know, sitting in a studio playing guitar, quite honestly. But uh, he was gracious enough to come over here, and uh, we did have a lovely conversation. So if you're if you're a Jay Maskus person, uh, I hope I've done you uh, proud. Uh, if you're not a Jay Maskus person, I, I encourage you to listen to some Dinosaur Jr. They've had a, a tremendous career. The, the last record, I believe, was Beyond. Uh, it's called, and it was a it's a great record. No, I bet on Sky. That's right. Beyond was a few years ago, but it. He, he's a genius and he does play a couple songs at the end and i felt like he could have played he would have sat and played 20 i should have had him sit and played 20 just him and his guitar anyways it was very exciting for me to talk to jay but look i do want to say that uh, i did learn this weird thing in florida if i could go back to florida for a minute i, I did uh i didn't regress all the way down I, I thought i would get to about 10 years old but i didn't but what I did figure out in some weird way was that whatever your dynamic is with your folks, it's just been that way forever. And if you really understand, you know, try to think about that dynamic, why am I locked in this? It's, it's not just about being young or turning into a child or anything. There's, there's this core dynamic that was always there. And I realized that I get along great with my mother. We, we had a nice time, but whatever's there is there and whatever isn't there isn't there and it's never going to be there. And I've talked about this before, but I, I was literally laying in bed with, uh, with Jessica in my mother's house trying to breathe. Uh, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why I get to my mother's and I, and I literally can't breathe. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go too deep into, into that. I, it's not that she's suffocating. I just get a certain amount of anxiety. And I'm a 49-year-old man, for fuck's sake. You'd think this would go away. Uh, Jessica said something interesting. 
God, I don't even know if I could say that. She <laughs> she said, uh, she said uh, it's weird. You, you don't really have a mother-son dynamic with your mother. She's more like an ex-girlfriend. And I'm like, oh, yes, that's uh, if only you knew what I've been through. And, and I have to keep seeing her, not because we have kids, but I am her kid. And she's my mother. This is hilarious stuff. Hey, look, you thinking about sending a handwritten letter to me or to anybody else? Did I mention, did I mention, oh, oh, wait, before I do this, the Boomer Lives t-shirts, I've got a lot of sadness about Boomer too. That's starting to come up too. I keep thinking I hear him meowing, which is horrendous. Like I go look for him every day. Now that deaf black cat, that fucking pirate, he's out on the deck. He seems to be living there. I don't know what it is. It's, it's like, it's taunting me. Like I feel like, like Boomer's killers are just hanging around the house now. But it's not true. It can't be true. But the Boomer Lives t-shirts, because Boomer does live. Boomy lives. Are, 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 are selling very well. People dig them. I, I don't know whether I'm going to make more of them. So if you want one, you should go to WTFpod.com, go to the merch section, and pick yourself up a Boomer Lives t-shirt. I'm going to send a dollar to charity. I'm getting a lot of suggestions for those. Also, Christmas is around the corner. Plenty of merch there. Tote bags, stickers, T-shirts. The Boomer Lives thing. That might be a, that's a very specific WTF-er uh, gift idea. So uh, get on that if you want to do that. But also, you know, Christmas time is coming up. The holiday time, Hanukkah time. If you want to get gifts, I've stocked up over at WTFpod.com. Go to the merch area and get what you can. So uh, relax. You know, relax into the Jay Maskus interview know that I love him I love his music and know that he's going to play some songs at the end oh Philadelphia Helium December 6th through 8th I will also be at the Wilbur Theater uh, uh, doing a live WTF and a solo stand-up show on Friday February 8th those tickets are on sale now at the WilburTheater.com okay so let's talk to Jay Maskus okay all right we're going to do it we're doing it now You can um, put those cans on if you want. Does it help? Yeah, you can hear yourself. I mean, I like it. How do you feel about you? Oh, yeah, I like the, <laughs> get the cool mic sound. Yeah, right? There you are. You sound like you're on the radio. Jay Maskus in my garage. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it's pretty overwhelming, and I don't uh, always talk to musicians, uh, especially uh, in, the, in the few that I do talk to, I have a tremendous amount of respect for. So I get yeah. nervous. Are you nervous? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went to school in uh I went to school in, in Boston and um I've been out to Amherst. Oh yeah. Yeah, and nice. I knew you I knew you lived out there in retrospect, but it's weird because my only memory of Amherst is drop is like picking up a girl at Mount Holyoke, I think, which is around there, right? Yeah. And I just remember like going driving over up there. What is it like an hour? How far is it from Boston? Two hours. Like driving two hours for a date, which is ridiculous. It is. Yeah. yeah. And just driving up like as the sun was coming down and just seeing women playing field hockey outside. And right. I was like, wow, it is exactly like I thought. Yeah. Like they all look like they could kick my ass. And then I, I visited Amherst. And then after I got to know your music, like I think it was probably uh, in maybe 19... 90 like when did green mind become like huge was it 90, 90 yeah. like 90 right yeah. like that uh, and then like i yeah and then i read that you lived in amherst and then i just kept picturing like what's that guy doing in amherst yeah <laughs> and then and then as time went on i'm like i just started to picture you as like a, like a like a cave dwelling genius in amherst 
Well, I got an apartment in New York, and I would kind of go back and forth. Yeah, but you grew up there, right? Oh, yeah. And like you went to high school there? back there. Really? Yeah. Is that weird? Yeah, I just don't know where to go, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Is it just home seem like a reasonable place? Yeah, it's like I've been so many places, and it's just like uh, I go home, and it doesn't seem that bad, and it's... Where did you live all like all around? You lived in New York and where else? Amherst. <laughs> <laughs> so you so you haven't been a lot of places, but you live you've, oh, you've I been mean, around. On tour, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are your folks still there? No, they died. Oh, really? But my brother and sister are there, and my other sister lives in Boston, but I think she wishes she lived in Amherst. I, it's beautiful there, right? It's like my recollection is it's almost woodsy. Like there's yeah. not a lot around, just a lot of college kids. Do they become annoying? Oh farmer? yeah, definitely. Uh, I just it was just a lot of hippies back then. You know, it was a big hippie town. And... It's because we're about the what you're a couple years younger than me, so it was. Oh yeah, because you have what's the other college up there? Hampshire is Hampshire. Hampshire was the big one. Yeah, no <laughs> grades. No nothing. Yeah, you can major in in like baskets. Frisbee. A guy got a degree in frisbee. <laughs> when you were when you were in high school though, like what was the uh, what was the scene though? I mean, what were you doing in Amherst? Did you have a car? No, nobody had a car except uh, Murph, who was the drummer in Dino. He had, he's the only kid I knew who had a car. Everybody was a, you know, a, everybody's parents were professors, so uh, every kid I knew whose parent was a professor and nobody had a car. We'd just kind of hang out. Or Was there any wizards around? Did you meet any wizards? Oh, yeah. There was, a, you know, the guy that sold Padu. Sure. Who his whole house was covered in aluminum foil, and he's like, you know, to protect him from the microwave so the government couldn't control his mind. Really? Yeah. He had a lot of good stories. Oh yeah, Zeb. <laughs> Zeb. His name, yeah. Zeb the pot dealer. He was into, you know, psychobilly was his thing. Any band, he'd go, you know, yeah, we're gonna see this band. Are they psychobilly? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Man. <laughs> what, what is psychobilly? <laughs> How many psychobilly bands are there? Two? Yeah, I don't know. The cramps and what? I don't even know what psychobilly is. I don't either. I mean Didn't Kramer make a record called Psychobilly? Do you remember Kramer? Yeah, sure. Shimmy Disc? I played with Kramer with in Gigi Allen's band one day. That was pretty exciting. What year was that? I don't know, eighty seven, eighty six. How bad did it get with Gigi on stage? It was bad, you know, you know, you think, oh, this is going to be fun or something, or yeah. this is cool to play with Gigi Allen, but then it's like, uh, I f- it's just like the reality, you're just like when he's shitting on stage and ramming the mic up his ass, you're like, this is not very cool. I kind of imagine it's the same way Kurt Cobain felt when he married Courtney Love. <laughs> it's the opposite of fun. Yeah. You're like, this guy's a legend. Oh, he's really shitting. Yeah, and oh, he's covered in blood and shit within like 10 seconds, and and you're like, how far are you? Like, so you're trying to keep your I'm distance. I'm at the very <laughs> edge of the stage, yeah. And he says this song, he's got the song, I Want to Rape You. And he's like, okay. In practice, he was like, we practiced once. And he said, okay, this is the part where I go rape the girl. So just keep playing the solo until I'm done. And then we'll go back into the song. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay. But in reality, he didn't really have to rape anyone because all these girls were willing to give themselves to him. Is that true? Yeah, all these chicks were totally psyched. But, and he was like notorious for like shitting on stage, covering himself in shit and blood, and just like it was a, a, a sort of like a, a ritualized self hate show. Yeah, and everyone was pinned in the back of the wall, you know, as soon as it started because he was throwing shit and <laughs> everyone was scared in the audience. It was at the Cat Club in New York. So there was nobody up front? No, except the girl who wanted to be raped. How, ma- how many girls were there up there? 
Usually one or two, or we're not talking about I remember about one. <laughs> there was one for sure. He can't now. He, he arrived at the club with like four girls, I think. That's amazing. And you were you had come down from Amherst to do that? Yeah. Because and like was that uh at the beginning were you had you formed Dinosaur Junior yet? Yeah. So you were known. This was a thing that you decided to do as a side thing. Was yeah, it a favor uh, to Kramer or what? Or just for the experience? No, it's like uh Gerard Kozloy from um he runs Matador Records was uh, putting together the band and he was my other band's manager in Amherst at UMass. He went to college for a semester. Yeah. Deep wound and so I knew him, and he put out the first Dino record, and this was, yeah, after the first record, so we weren't that happening, but we'd go to New York to play. That was the only place that really accepted us at all. And Deep Wound, that was a, you played drums in that band? Yeah. So that was your first instrument, drums? Right. Do you love drums still? Yeah. So you started out in, uh, you know, bas- was it hardcore, would you yeah, call it? totally. So that's definitely that pace. Yeah. And then you you you've still got a lot of love in your heart for metal, sure. Yeah. And what, when you were in high school, like who were the guys you were listening to? I mean, what was it that was plowing through your head? What was that moment where you're like, oh, that sound is where I'd like to live? Well, you know, just went through. You know, started with like Sabbath, and then I got into punk, and it was like this Eater, this punk band, and then hardcore, like Minor Threat, Negative Approach at that point and then you just broke it open for yourself because i remember like i think the first album that i I listened to you know after green mind because that just got my attention because of that fucking album cover i can't i mean like i can't i can't uh, that girl is just you know burned into my head the the little girl with the cigarette right where'd that come from um this book by joseph zabo it's his photo book um kim gordon from sonic youth showed it to me and I thought, you know, it just seemed so cool, and we got the rights to it. So, did, does, did you ever? Do you know that girl? No, but at one point, her daughter like emailed me or something. Like, really? I'm the daughter of the girl on Green Mile. Yeah. And how, how old was that photograph when you used it? Looks like early seventies or something. And she yeah. was like, she looked like she was twelve. Yeah, she looked pretty cool. And what the what the daughter have to say? Just like, hey. Yeah, that's about <laughs> it. And she kind of looked the same. And it was just such a, a ballsy sort of cover. And then when you like that record was just like all over the place. I think that record kind of changed my mind about uh, about music in general because I had not kind of engaged in you know what was considered alternative music or pop or power uh-huh. pop at that time or, or or anything that was going on. I think that that record you know started me buying like all the sub pop stuff and like you know Caius and you know Screaming Trees and everything that was coming out of Washington. But yeah. but yours was like the entry in and there were songs on there. Because I don't know what chords you use, because I play guitar kind of shitty. Yeah. But it seems like there's something like almost like um, dark and enchanting and just like magic about the minor thing. Is it, a, it? What are your favorite chords? Is that a weird question? I don't know. I just was playing drums, so I was just making up my own chords. You know. The, yeah. I couldn't play bar chords. It was a bit too hard. So I just kind of put my finger here and there till it sounded good. Is that true? Yeah. You just taught yourself how to play guitar. Yeah. Didn't, I didn't have much going on, so <laughs> in the cave in Amherst. Yeah. <laughs> so you just, but you, do you, can you identify them now? Uh, no, I mean, just the basic note. I don't know what the it's, oh, it's a diminished ninth. Oh, thing, there you yeah. go. That sounds good. Yeah, it feels diminishing a little bit, yeah. but but uh, you know, rejoicing and diminishing at the same time. Right. So when you started playing uh, guitar, you had no no lessons. No, I had a lot of drum lessons, but 
And, w- and when you took up, and when you started doing the first dinosaur stuff, was it all you, or did you have the band in place? Because there was no, a point- I had the band. Yeah, it was. Uh, I just, you know, thought I didn't know any guitarists I liked around the area. You know, there's not a big pool to pick from. <laughs> so first- I knew I could show somebody how to play drums because right. I, I had a lot of drum lessons, and I figured I could do that to somebody. And so I figured I'd just play guitar, and Lou moved from guitar to bass, and we just kind of. And he just kind of just hammered it over and over again? Yeah, we didn't have much to do, so uh, we just... Were you living at your parents' house? Oh, yeah. Were were you in the basement or in a room? The basement, yeah. And you just had it set up? What kind of recorder were you using for the first couple? Oh, Four track? No, we um, went to this this hippie who did sound. He had an eight track, one inch in his house, and we recorded there. Just some weird old hippie? Yeah, he hated us. (laughs) Most of the engineers hated us, and sound men especially. Well, how much can a, a local engineer in Amherst really hate anybody? Aren't they just happy you're there using their equipment for money? Oh, no. Amherst no. is a very hateful, jaded kind of place. Really? Yeah, no one is happy if you, you know, succeed or anything. It's very, you know, oh, bit, really? bitter and twisted kind of vibe. So, okay, so now you, you did those first few albums there. Now, how did you get involved with, like, I'm, I know you produced, I believe, the first Buffalo Tom record. Yeah. How'd you get to know those guys? Because I thought they were good. Oh, uh, they were just going to the same college, and you know, I was like, "Where was that?" At Amherst. Oh, you went to Amherst. So UMass. And oh, Amherst. you went. Oh, yeah, yeah, UMass. Yeah. Yeah. And you just knew those guys. Yeah, they and, were playing like Who Screwed You covers and at, like parties or. And how did it come about that you ended up producing? Oh, uh, they asked me. I guess they somehow got on this weird Dutch label, and uh, yeah, the, you know, I was a bit. A few steps ahead of them, so I, you know. But you weren't like known yet. Uh, yeah, we were doing. Yeah, we had "You're Living All Over Me," so that was our big, our album where we started to get some fans. So we were known around in certain circles. Yeah, was that the first time you ever produced yeah. somewhere else? It was. Yeah. Did you like their music? It was all right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the first thing he brought in this Roland Jazz Chorus amp, and I was just like, "You can just leave that in the hall. <laughs> we won't be needing that." It's like, I really like my sound. I'm like, no, sorry. <laughs> so that was my, I kind of produced by abuse. So I didn't, I didn't. Did you play guitar in there? A little bit. Because I noticed that like there's some like on, uh, like I like that song, The Bus, a lot. Right. Uh, do you remember it? Like, yeah. Yeah. And were you screaming behind there on your guitar? Like, Not there, on that song. No? no? Did you produce it so there was a sort of like, you know, constant slight feedback drone throughout the most of the songs? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was a fan of that, like, Jesus and Mary chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you, like, uh, like you play Jazz Master all the time or just sometimes? Uh, pretty much all the time live, not recording. But... Why, why why, that guitar? That's just the first guitar I got, so I just learned how to play on it, and my whole style kind of... Evolved out of that? Yeah, because I got a bait-and-switch kind of thing when I went to buy it. You know, I'd, I'd... Where'd you go? To Slimy Bob's guitar ripoff in like Connecticut somewhere, he had these picks that said, "You've just been ripped off by Slimy Bob." And when I went there, he had just maced his employee for fun and was just laughing. The guy's crying, and, he's, and he had a gun. And that's, he was, that's and, what you walked into. Yeah, and he's just <laughs> laughing, and he's um, you know, it said I wanted to get a Strat, and he said, you know, on the paper it said Strat's four hundred dollars. It was like an hour and a half away. And when I got there, of course, you know, strats were four fifty, and I only had four hundred. So the Jazzmaster was three hundred, and there was a Jaguar for two hundred, and I liked the 
I thought the Jaguar looked cooler, but the Jazzmaster seemed better somehow. Did you, did you? So it wasn't a sound thing. It was just that looked like the guitar to have. Yeah, I wanted a Fender, and that's all I could afford at the time. What was it that when you plugged in that guitar for the first time? Obviously, you knew you didn't want it to sound clean. But right. what 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 was it that you wanted? How did you make it sound like that? What amps are you using? Uh, I just you know, I got a Ampeg V4. I think is the first amp I got, and it blew up like three times in a month. Because you were playing too hard. I was just screwed up, and then I got this Yamaha solid state amp because I saw Bob Mould play it. I thought, oh, it can't be that bad. It was only a hundred bucks, and and my guitar player friend who was like the cool guitar player dude was like. That amp sounds terrible. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It's like, it's like that's when I started wearing earplugs. It was right, so painful and. But you liked it? No, I just didn't know. I was just started playing. I didn't, you know, I but, could, are you telling me that's where your sound came from? The big muff mostly. That was what I was into because I was I came from playing drums and I wanted to make some kind of dynamics with the guitar and it felt so wimpy compared to drums. I wanted. So I just had the pedals to try to make fake dynamics and had it really loud to try to get some, you know, hit you in the back with yeah. some sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. It seems so unexpressive compared to drums or something. Are there bands that, like, when you were starting out that you, you were like, I need to, you know, how does that guy get that? I mean, was there ever that kind of thinking around your sound? Oh, yeah, like the Stooges. I was always really into the first Stooges album guitar sound and Crazy, kind of chasing right? that. That it, it like it punched you in the head. Yeah, that was. Did you ever? Did you ever meet Iggy? Yeah. How was that? Um, it was strange, you know, because uh, he, you know, I'd I'd been playing with uh, Ron Ashton and Scott Ashton, and been playing Stooges songs with them. I kind of got, and we'd been playing these festivals and stuff, and people were saying, you know, they're better than Iggy, and so when I who finally was singing, who was singing? Just whoever, you know, Mike Watt was playing bass, so he'd sing or we'd get guest singers. Yeah, know, yeah, or, yeah. You know, we did a show and just all, a festival and all these other bands were there. So, yeah, the guy from Kaya sang one song and Thurston and yeah, different people just sang. and <clears throat> But we sounded, yeah, I thought we sounded a lot better than Iggy's crappy bands he had back then with all these heavy metal hacks and stuff. Right, right. So the word got back to him and he was, you know, I guess somehow pissed or something but it, it inspired him to get the stooges back together at least so that was his, his his spite at you inspired him to get yeah. the stooges back together <laughs> but when i met him he was nice he's like oh you live in amherst he knew all this stuff and i was like kind of just standing there like oh. and mike was in a version of dinosaur jr or another band it was jay mascus in the fog was there a period where dinosaur jr was all you oh uh, no no you always had somebody always somebody yeah but what the, Lou was out for a while, right? Yeah. But he's back. Yep, he's back. Now was that a rift that was like it was a personal? Yeah. Very. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? I uh, just couldn't stand each other personally. I guess you know he didn't for the first you know years of the band he didn't talk. You know he was really shy and shyer than like you. Oh yeah, he was, like, he was like you know the nerd at school. He right. had tape on his glasses and yeah. And who were you at school? Me, I was like, uh, I I was kind of like I thought I was popular in like you know like elementary school, and then by seventh grade, I I decided to like drop out of society somehow and grow my hair and listen to Sabbath. So I 
in seventh grade yeah so i figured i i don't know what i was then yeah just uh, do, do you remember the moment where you're like i've had I enough yeah what what happened <laughs> yeah i just and man i got a friend and we both decided you know we have to drop out of society this sucks. <laughs> grow our hair and you know start smoking pot and so it was just the two of you you and a friend decided you're out yeah so you grew your hair out and you started smoking pot so you were those guys there were two of you and you were out in your minds but i I imagine there were a lot of kids are like what's up with those dudes no i mean because it was like it was such a hippie weird town it wasn't we kind of could easily just mingle in with the other but was yeah. there was a because i remember when i was in high school and because we're similar in age there was definitely camps was it a big enough high school to where you know the 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 stoners had their place yeah the art room right and yeah. then the hippies had their place or the well they mixed pretty much they yeah, did that, there was a it's a blurry line between the between, stoners and hippies back be, then right there was still like the the crashing wave of the 60s and the yeah. you know, zeppelin and those guys and then you know but then sabbath there was definitely a tonal difference between yeah. like hippies and metal guys in amherst it was pretty blurred like the hippies and the metal guys it was kind of one you know and lou was neither of those he was in westfield it was a different town a whole different scene it's more like working class simpsons kind of yeah it wasn't a hippie town like amherst so and and he was just too shy and you guys like you, you got mad that he didn't talk no i was fine when he didn't talk it's just like uh we got along great you know and uh because musically we had the same kind of influences and ideas but then he, he got a you know he got a girlfriend when in uh from one of the smith college oh yeah and then he started so his ego got pumped up he got a girlfriend then he started talking all the time so then he realized i didn't like what he was saying a lot of the time and we just didn't get along and then it got really just bad <laughs> so he, he got a little confidence started talking and you're like wow I'm not sure I like this guy. Exactly. <laughs> it was much better when I didn't know what he was thinking. Something like that, yeah. And now you're grown men and you're okay now? Oh, not bad. You know, it's Yeah. Yeah, we've you know, we've got help too to we had really we were all really bad communicators, so we have a little help now do we have a manager who can A therapist know. manager? No, just, you know, yeah. small Jewish guy, a normal manager type. Well, that's, that can explain a therapist, too, yeah. small Jewish guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, they fit into all disciplines. Right. How, and so is it the full, like, outside, so it's you and Lou and, and, and who else? And Murph. Murph. Yeah. So it's the original cats. Yeah. And how about Murph? Do you, is he more uh, uh, diplomatic? I mean, is he like, there's got to be one guy that's like, come on, fellas. Um, you know, it's very complicated, but yeah, he's definitely the, the man in the middle. You know? Uh huh. Now when you were growing up, like what'd your old man do? He's a dentist. That's yeah. it. I have this weird thing about dentists. I, I read this Updike book once and, uh, and it had a dentist character in it. And, uh, the way he described that there was something that he said about dentists that there's no profession that is more sort of, uh, you know, confronted with the decay of the human body as a dentist. Like, <laughs> right. you know, like every day a dentist is reminded that we everything's very temporary and things are rotting. Did right. you find your dad had that uh, that depth? <laughs> Did you forget that? I always ask people who have dentists in their family that thing. Oh, yeah. No, he was very, like, kind of Tony Soprano-like character. And, uh, so he was an aggressive dentist. No, he was the singing dentist. He was, like, always humming to music. And oh, really? He was really uh, swinging, and everybody like, liked him, and... Uh, was he known as that, the singing dentist? Yeah. Really? 
and uh yeah and but it was weird because it was kind of like you know the cobbler son has no shoes he didn't want to see anybody in the family but we couldn't go to any other dentist so we had bad teeth <laughs> like he'd cancel our appointments so my mom would make appointments under fake names to just to get in there. I don't know. Is that true? Yeah. So you'd surprise. You'd show up. He'd be like, "No, no." He'd can't. He'd have the yeah. his assistant or whatever call, and oh, he has to cancel. And I think he was just having a good time at work. He didn't want to bring the family life into work. He, that was it, where he was partying. He was having a great time at work, and and he just he wouldn't. Uh, do you have siblings? Yeah. How many? A brother and two sisters. Did you did you do braces and everything else? And no, he wasn't an orthodontist. But we got you know he, he we got free. You know he was always making deals. You know trade potatoes with Polish mm-hmm. farmers for dental work and right. So we'd get free de- um, braces from this orthodontist and yeah. But there was always some weird stuff he's bringing. Cause there's a lot of farms around. Yeah. You know, bags full of weird stuff he'd trade for dental work. Like what? Like what? Weird. Just rotting, you know, I don't know, rutabaga, who knows? Just like, bags of vegetables? Stuff, yeah, and you'd <laughs> smell it in the rotting in the back of the car and you can't recognize it anymore. You know? <laughs> I think that was potatoes. But I don't. The singing dentist. Yeah. And your mom just, what did she do? She, like, played golf and just, like, she was just a mom. and she Golf? Was, she didn't wake up till 11, and yeah, she was like a night owl, and she read a lot of romance novels. She played golf a lot? Golf, and she, she was pretty sporty. She'd sail. and Were you ever a sports guy? Ski. I was, we'd ski a lot, our whole family, so I like did skiing, go ski team. Oh, or, really? Yeah. Did you go up to Stowe and stuff? Yeah, Stowe was awesome. You were a skier? Yeah. I skied too, when I was a kid. Yeah. What kind of skis? K twos. K twos all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Scott boots. Handsome no. boots. Nordica, I think. Nordica. Yeah. yeah. So was it like? Uh, so was it like one of those things where your dad would like sort of like four in the morning? We're going. Yeah, we'd have a house with like nine other families and go every weekend. You know. Were you good? Yeah, it was pretty good. I but I broke my, both my legs when I was seven. That was kind of a setback. But oh, skiing you did it. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Shit. That's a that's a rough one. So I think I got a little bit. I would have been better if that didn't happen. You know. I but got you got back up on him. Yeah. A year or so later. Yeah, the next year. But I don't have the. I realized I was a choker in sports. You know, like I was in a mini golf tournament. I could have won, and you know, I just blew the last thing. I don't have the killer instinct. A mini golf tournament, yeah. like the windmill. You get you just yeah. you fucking blew the windmill. Yeah, the <laughs> just like you know, three foot putt just choked. Uh, did you did you get shit from your mother? No, nah, she didn't care. She was on the beach sailing. That was when I was hated the beach, so I just play mini golf all day, on vacation. The skiing thing's interesting. Have you gone back? Have you tried it lately? Yeah, I go. I've gone every year. Really? Yeah. That's, that's good to know. I wouldn't imagine that. I'm happy to know you ski, Jay. All right. <laughs> now, okay, so let's talk about Sonic Youth. I mean, how uh, pivotal were they in, like, developing, you know, who you are? Uh, they really helped us out a lot. You know, they were at our first New York show because we were really having a rough time. Everybody hated us right around Amherst and Boston. And Why? Because I remember being in Boston, like, in the – I was in Boston. I graduated school. 86, 87. Yeah. I went to some shows, but I don't remember you guys playing there a lot. 
No, I mean, you know, we were just getting going then, and uh, just we had a better time in New York. I guess people accepted us more or something. Did you play the rat? Yeah. Do you remember that guy with the... Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, the guy with the throat box. And, and the... I went to a lot of shows there, too. Yeah, I saw Steve Albini there. Yeah. Play a solo show downstairs. I remember that. That, that was our first show in, in New York was opening for Big Black. He was pretty amazing. Did that have any like did that have an effect on you? Because he was sort of a wall of sound dude. Yeah. Just well, massive guitars. Oh sure, we love Big Black. That's great. Who were some of the other ones? Would you what you play with the Pixies? Uh not really, but they were a little after our time. You know, I guess but like the Pixies the singer um I guess he said the first like indie punk show he saw was Dinosaur. Like Were you considered a punk band when you started? Sort of, because we, you know, we were coming out of a hardcore band, so people knew we were from this band, but then the hardcore people hated us. And we were... But what was it, like, what was the shift? Because you, be, you I mean, it, you're very, like, there's seri- there's definitely melodies there. Yeah. There's definitely chord changes that are not hardcore ch- chord changes. No, I mean, it was like hardcore ended, it seemed like, at once, you know, like Minor Threat Breaks Up, Negative Approach, they all try to do something else. It just seemed like one day it... It all ended, so we wanted to play music too, and but we knew it wasn't hardcore anymore, and we just wanted to come up with some other sound. And that was it. That was yeah. it. Like even because you got sort of like, there's definitely so many of the songs are like you know sing alongable, right? Did, were you conscious of hooks? Yeah, sure. I mean, we were just trying to make music we'd want to listen to. You know, we like I liked all sorts of rock. You know, the Beach Boys. I was really into as a little kid. And, yeah. My girlfriend loves the Beach Boys. I just saw him. Oh yeah, me yeah, recently. <laughs> Who was in it? Anybody? Well, they pulled. Well, Jardine was that his name? Al, yeah. Al was there. Brian was there. Mike oh, was nice. there. Um, and uh, what's the other guy? The conservative dude, uh, Bruce, right, was there. The dead guys weren't there, but they yeah. did bring them in to play yeah. along. On holograms? Video. Not holograms, but it was kind of weird. They did. Oh, yeah. yeah, they did play along to Dennis singing something, and to Carl singing something. Nice. What was it about that sound? I mean, are you a Brian Wilson freak? Yeah, I just like, I don't know, it just appealed to me somehow, you know. I thought, you know, first I heard the Beatles, but something about the Beach Boys I liked better, you know, when you're like nine, I don't know. Well, I can see, well, I mean, I can see that, like, because when I listen to Brian as, as, a, as a grown person, like... Yeah. Like as sweet as those songs are, I can't. There, there's, there's like almost there's a sadness air or a disjointedness air that literally like makes me uncomfortable. Right. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if you can feel it. Can Maybe you feel? Because his dad pulled out his eye and made him stare into the socket. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure that had something to do with it. But do you feel that? I mean, am I making that up? I mean, when I listen to like Brian songs, as as, yeah. as cheerful as they are, there's something heartbreaking about all of it. Oh yeah, he seems like a sad guy for sure. Yeah, and when I saw him, uh, you know, at performing, it was like I'm not even a huge Beach Boys guy, but I was happy to see him happy. Right. Like he seemed to be up there conducting things. I don't even yeah. know if it, half of it was on tape or not. Yeah, but he was like, "Oh, he's happy. Thank God. I guess he's on the right medicine." <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you yeah. remember all those Boston bands like the Dogmatics? Yeah, sure. Scruffy the Cat. Yeah, like those cats were your contemporaries, weren't they? They were. Sort of, not really. They Del were a little Fuegos. older, Del Fuegos. They were a little older and more kind of bar band sounding than... Till you know. Tuesday. 
yeah was there i used to see amy mann going to the laundromat i lived off beacon street yeah when i was 15 i bought i was wearing a motorhead t-shirt in newberry comics and she was working there and kid, punks were making fun of me because i had a motorhead t-shirt on because they were too stupid to know that motorhead was cool yet because they didn't they hadn't integrated them into yeah. the lexicon yet but you know amy mann stood stood up for me she's like shut up guys motorhead's cool and i was like oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, i was did, like and you did you know it was amy man or she was just a she girl was really working. recognizable right. i didn't know anything about her but but know. she was just there working in newberry yeah. comics oh that's a great moment have you told her that yeah <laughs> or somebody told her so new york so all right so sonic youth helped you out who were the bands that when you were there in new york that were sort of contemporaries or like guys you would play with uh, on like, the same bill like pussy galore das Dalman. And uh, yeah, Sonic Youth was there. Like White Zombie moved to town, and I had that Bridge tribute, that Neil Young tribute album for a long, for a long time. I got it yeah. like right when it came out. I mean, it's a long time ago. It must have been the early nineties. Yeah. And you guys covered what did you do? A lot of love. Yeah. And uh, like there was some something that sort of, and I'm sure people have said this about you before, but there was something that struck me about the way you handled that song, but also about Neil in general. Is that Neil seems to unlike. You know, a lot of his contemporaries, there are certain albums of his that just trans they defy time. Like you can listen to them yeah. and they're not marked by an era. And right. there's something transcendent about that. And I think a lot of your records have that too. Was he somebody that you, you were into? Oh, yeah. Because sure. he can make a guitar scream. Yeah, definitely. And we got compared to him a lot because I think, you know, the way I sang. Right. You know, I never thought I'd be singing. We had a singer at first, but we kicked him out after the first show. So then me and Lou split up singing and. And I, you know, I just tried to sing like Mick Jagger or... or uh, <laughs> How did that turn out? I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> I'm not... Mick Jagger and John Fogarty were my main vocal influences. <laughs> Especially Mick uh... Jagger with the fake Southern accent. That was kind of what I was going for. From Far Away Eyes? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you really hit it. You nail it, man. Nice. I mean, because like if you hadn't said that, I was going to say it. I had it written down right here. John yeah. Fogarty and Mick Jagger... <laughs> primary influences am i wrong fucking nailed that i make very few notes buddy very nice. few notes um the the thing about the new record and I, I don't know like you know i i can't say that i've listened to every one of them meticulously but there's there's definitely fucking piano on here yeah and there's definitely organ on here right and like you know i noticed it right away like because uh, i got a kid i'm working with he's a writer's assistant on my show and he's a dinosaur junior freak and uh, and I got this record and, and like I was in the first song and I'm like, dude, there's an organ on there. And I told that kid, he's like, no fucking way. <laughs> Is that uh, a new thing for you? Yeah, I mean, for the last yeah the for the last three albums since we got back together, I was trying to make it sound really live. I have more songs to play live, but on this album, I was like, oh, I've got a piano and you know I have a mellotron. Just I uh, didn't care about playing it live so much anymore it sounds great man oh thanks who's playing it i am with the help of technology it, what, what does that mean you know i just you know play a chord and then punch it in and play. <laughs> so, so you so you loop it so it just plays while you play something else no i just kind of have the engineer punch in every chord pretty much i can't really you can't move around no <laughs> so, so you're not actually playing you're playing a chord and then you, it's out of your hands yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the uh what what is the the live show now where did you, you just played at that festival i played yeah. there too how was that uh it was fun except the festival was kind of bizarre somehow backstage and trying to 
maneuver through the bouncers and stuff. I know. Wasn't it fucked up? I mean, I did the comedy stage and like yeah. I had people with me and they're like, no, you can't. Yeah, yeah, eventually, course. once you get through all the people to, that you have to get through, everyone you're with sort of is, <laughs> is gone. <Yeah. laughs> you're the only one that can get back there. Yeah, I want to... I, I wanted to see like Maria Bamford. I missed her. She's a genius. Yeah, you like her a lot. <laughs> I saw Dave Cross yesterday. Yeah, I saw him a little bit at the very end. Oh, he came by. No, just his thing. He was. Oh, there. oh, oh, oh. That's because when we uh, got there. I was the day before, but I knew he was in town. I, I was with my brother. I went down to Venice, and he was wandering around. And uh, and I said, uh, I said I'm going to interview Jay Maskus tomorrow, and he's like, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> Let me know how that goes. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's going fucking great. Yeah, thanks. How do you feel about it? Pretty good. Now, can you t- explain to me, um, like I listened to the last, the acoustic album that you did. Uh-huh. It, what's it called? Shade, uh, Several Shades of White. Yeah. And that thing is uh, is, is pretty sweet, man. Oh, thanks. And uh, and you seem very you know comfortable, you know, just playing the guitar and singing more so than you usually do from way back right like with nothing you know kind of in between it now that like when when you write songs i mean what's that process do you just sit there and wait for shit to come yeah just watch tv and play guitar and hope something comes up and record little bits on the iphone and do you put the bits together some other time like you just get a chunk and you're like that's got to go in yeah and then i have all these little things and try to put them together and then it's almost a little there's a little twang on there too it's got a little country thing going on a couple of them am i right the mick jagger yeah yeah mick jagger country on there twang in that fake southern accent right (laughs) do you do you like country i do yeah i just saw george jones the other night he was like (sighs) 80 years old it was kind of amazing he could barely sing where'd you see him northampton greatest voice in country music really and he's still together Kind of? Uh, barely. He, it was interesting. It, it was great, but he couldn't sing so well, but he seemed to be having a good time. Did he banter at all? Because I saw him yeah, on Letterman, yeah. and it got a little, like, it was a little like, where are we going with this? Yeah, it was a little out there, but the other people in the band knew how to rein him in. Kinda. Yeah? yeah. Like, like he was departing on some uh, fragments? Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> They go. That's great, George. Now, <laughs> yeah. How about we do that? Yeah. Uh, the love bug. Let's yeah. do that. Oh. What other country guys you like? Willie? Yeah, I love Willie and Merle, Towns Van Zandt. Oh, there's another guy with a heavy heart, man. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> you can fucking hear it, man. Do you have yeah. a heavy heart? Uh, sorta. I would say. Yeah. It's just but are you? Do you think? Are you depressed? Or you just kind of feel things a little harder than other people? I've been pretty depressed. Yeah. My whole life, probably. Really. Yeah. Is that what's it was that part of the sort of like seventh grade I'm out? Yeah. How did it manifest itself? Like a a sensitivity or, or, or to to things that other people didn't feel as much or sort of like feeling isolated? Uh I don't know, neither. Just kind of uh I'm not sure, just you know, people thought I was an asshole a lot and Were you? Yeah, sometimes, you know, but Like but, in in what form? Like get away from me or fuck you, your dumb hair is stupid? Yeah, no, well, this lady, at, well, like at college, the lady would be like, it's not that you're ignoring me, it's like you're walking by me as if I don't exist. <laughs> Complete detachment. Yeah. And yeah. Disturb, that disturbed people somehow. Were you ever, like, violent? Violent? Mm, tiny bits. You know, my brother would beat me up a lot as a kid, so I'd have to 
Yeah. Spar. Yeah, a little bit. Was he older? Yeah. What'd he end up doing? Lawyer. Oh, really? Yeah. You guys get along? Yeah. He's got a band now. Oh, no. <laughs> He's got a lawyer band? Uh, he used to have a lawyer band now. He's the only lawyer in the band now. But is it like uh, Weekend Warrior type stuff? It's really like my gr- garage kind of. What do they play? So, covers? No, no. Originals. Really? Yeah. Are you going to produce it? I don't know. I kind of gave up producing because I didn't. I was became such an asshole as a producer. I didn't enjoy it, so I just end up abusing the band. It's kind of a stupid profession, you know. Like, uh, you know, like, you know, what do you do? It's kind of a scam, you know. What are you doing? I don't know how to engineer, so I'm just paid to just kind of turn that up. Abuse. Turn that just down. like give me that guitar. I'll play it. You guys suck or whatever. You know? <laughs> What, what bands have you produced? I know, I know you did that first Buffalo Tom record, but like, you've done a lot, haven't you? Uh, I did like Firehose. You mentioned Tad. Tad. And uh, he comes to my shows in Seattle. That dude. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's a big sound, huh? Yeah, that was a fun record to produce. Except my dad died at the end of it, so it kind of got uh, depressing. But I liked the record; it came out pretty good. Some breeder stuff I produced after their big album, just some like B sides and stuff. That's about it, I think. Did you like uh, what was the band that who were the remember the Throwing Muses? They were around. Yeah. Yeah. She was pretty good, huh? Yeah. Tanya and what was the what was the lead singer? Kristen name? Hirsch. Yeah, and Tanya Donnelly. Yeah. Did the Belly one right? She did. Yeah. Their band called Belly. They were the bane of my existence too. Belly. We were on the same label, and every time. We'd have an album out, you know. Warner Brothers decided to push Belly instead of <laughs> happen like in your song. You were like always the second one on the bus there. The yeah, Belly like, first. Uh, yep. But they had what? They had one or two records, and that was sort of the yeah. end of it, wasn't it? And then both the records came out the same time. Our records. Which record of yours? Uh, Where you been? And uh, without a sound. And who? Who? What label are you on now? Jag Jaguar. So you got all the freedom in the world there? Yeah, I mean, you always had freedom, really. But, but the push? It's yeah. all on you now. So do you take any medicine for your depression? No. Just ride it out? Play yeah. the songs? Sure. Do you get relief when you play? Mm, sometimes. Wait, do you like? Do you still get some joy when you write a song and you're like, oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. I'm, yeah. Definitely, I'm not as depressed as I used to be. Yeah. Do you get? Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you about. There was that chanting record. You know who gave me a bunch of your shit? I hung out with Rollins because I did some shows with him, yeah, and yeah. he had a copy of Beyond before it came out. I don't know if you gave it to him. Yeah, he came with us to the festival. Yes, the other day. He's a great guy, but yeah. he was like, you know, he he like I he said you want some music, and I'm like, yeah, and I didn't realize I would be getting like every music. Yeah. So he gave me a bunch of your stuff that I didn't even realize I had until yesterday. But there was that the one record that seemed to have sort of a uh, an Indian slant to it, the meditation record. Right. What, what, what was the origin of that? Uh, the origin of that, I was seeing. I've been seeing this lady Amachi, who's like this Indian guru who comes to, you know, she basically hugs people. Yeah, and she goes on tour in the states, and she's also got a lot of charities in India and stuff. And uh, and I was, I think, I was in India the first time at her place and I was trying to play music she has a lot of music going on so people are playing and you know I'm playing one of her, you know her songs and it's my style is just not working it's like this crowd is not my crowd you know Indian people and just 
And, mis- and spiritual and, people. Yeah. And New like, age types. Yeah, and just you're an Indian or old lady. You were in India. Yeah. And you, went, you went over there with her? Yeah, I've been there quite a few times. Amichi is her name? Yeah. And uh, and do you and she is is she would you call her your guru? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I was realizing, you know, this isn't working with this crowd. I'm just like my thing just does not translate. <laughs> I want to sing, so I just kind of like, so I kind of just wrote one song to just try to see if I could somehow communicate to yeah. these people. And you know, it was kind of interesting to to try to play something that. Just to like mellow it out a little bit and in the same style of the music. So you had that tabla, kind of a yeah. rolling tabla sound. And and did you have And some, it's, you know, a call and answer kind of stuff. So it's that that album Sing and Chant. Uh, uh, no, that's uh, Sing and Chant Ama is the name of the a song. But what's the album called? Yeah, that's the name of the album. When I first heard that, it wasn't even like a Ravi Shankar album. It was just yeah. literally this, there was like these records. One was like tabla and one was like sitar. Yeah. And it was just, you know, a kind of almost archival Indian music. And I just couldn't believe how compelling it was. Yeah. It was interesting. It, like Alma had a 50th birthday, you know, like, I don't know, years ago, like five or six years ago. And in India, and it was this big thing, like two million people came over a few days and I was like a studio musician for like white people there, you know, because she was having all these different, you know, nationalities do their thing. Like there's a river dance and there's some aboriginals from Australia doing some weird stuff and all the Indians, everything, you know, I'd play jazz with a jazz band and back up like country things. I was just playing all sorts of stuff and the Indians are like, you know, there's a hundred thousand people in the stadium just staring blankly like they had no... But there was this dude, you know, a heavy tabla guy. Yeah. The minute there was a tabla solo, like, the whole crowd's like, ah. <laughs> you're just like, wow, it was intense. That's, that's, their, that's their instrument, man. Yeah, but every other thing is like blank stares, all this stuff that they've never seen. And Let the tabla guy jam. They were psyched. And what is the religion exactly? Well, it's not a religion. She's just kind of... There's no discipline to it. Doesn't she? Doesn't come from something. She's kind of Hindu based, but you know, a lot of different people from all kind of religions go see her. And, and how'd you gravitate towards that? Again, from depression, just kind of like, uh, just kind of somebody told me to go, and I'm like, sure, I'll try anything. And what was your primary treatment for it? Weed? No, I'm not, I've never been a big drug person. Nothing. Yeah. You just kind of wrote it out. And it yeah. got it got so overbearing that uh, you're married, right? Yeah, no, it was just kind of like, yeah, I, I'd, uh, you know, done well, you know, and, you know, had a house and a, like, Jaguar and... The car? Or the yeah, guitar. the car and yeah. the guitar. And, yeah. you know, I'm like, you know... I should be happy. I should be happy. I'm not happy. And then, you know, like, the bigger I would get, the more depressed I would get kind of thing, you know, with... Right. So, you know, you realize it's not really helping out, so. Did you feel that it was pressure or just biological? Did you, like, the ex- were you expecting too much out of yourself? Or? No, I just was like, you know, you, when it's that classic thing, you're like, you get all this stuff and you're like, this isn't it. Yeah. You know, this still sucks, even worse. <laughs> so someone recommended that you go see this woman? Yeah. And, uh, and where'd you first see her? In New York. And she was doing a thing. And what, yeah. and, and did it have it, uh, an effect on you immediately? Uh, yeah. I mean, I was into it. I just, uh... Were you skeptical at first? Like, all right, I'll go. No, I wasn't a big skeptic at the time. I was just like, anything that could help, I was willing to check out, you know? And what what did she do? 
Yeah, you just get a hug for, you know, stand in line to get a hug from her, and she just says some stuff in your ear. And yeah, suddenly I just felt better, so I went back and really? just kept going back every year. And What'd she say in your on. ear? She says some mantras or... Yeah? Yeah, it's different with you know. Is it English person. or no? It's just she can't. She does sometimes. I mean, it's different every time. I don't know. Have you tried standing online for a hug from anybody else? Uh, yeah. Like, no, like, maybe like, not. Is it, it? Do you feel something when she touches you? Like kind of like is there an energy there? Yeah, definitely. No kidding. Yeah. And so do you you uh, you help her fundraise a bit? Yeah, I'll try to. Yeah. You know, like, and how often do you go to India? I haven't been there for a while since I had a kid, and I've probably been there five times or something. Is there a practice involved? Is there something you do every day? I should. Yeah, she had. She came up with like a meditation technique, and is it difficult? No, it's super easy. Yeah. Like, what is it? Because I'm, I, I could use. Yeah, you, help. Yeah, it's tough. It's really easy. It's just I. You can just take a one day course, and they'll teach it to you. And is it a breathing thing, or is there words? It's uh, all sorts of things. There's always something going on, so you don't have to just sit there and do right. nothing. Your, right. mi- your your mind's always occupied with something, so it's pretty easy. And and uh, has a kid changed your life at all? How old is your? Uh, what, do you have a son or a daughter? Or? Yeah, son. He's uh, almost five. And has that changed your life? Oh, sure. But are you finding some joy there, Jay? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting, you know. Yeah. I never thought I'd have a kid, you know, as a depressed punk kid going i don't want to bring a kid into this horrible world you know it's, <laughs> who would want to do such a thing what made you change uh having a wife who wanted <laughs> yeah. yeah that was the deal huh but then as soon as i saw the kid i was like oh he wants to be here it's not my deal so oh that's um, a good way to look at it no i felt that immediately i'm like oh it's no biggie he's definitely psyched so i don't have to feel bad <laughs> Well, you have expecting the kid to come out and go, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, because I think that's how I felt, you know. You know, I heard, I heard I was, you know, upside down in the womb with the, you know, cord around, wrapped around my neck. You know, I didn't want to come out. You know? <laughs> that was that was uh, that was the creation story you got about you. Yeah, that you were you were hanging yourself from the umbilical cord in the womb. Right. <laughs> oh, that's a hell of a burden to put on, guy. <laughs> But when you saw your kid, he was like, "Yeah, yeah, he was psyched." I'm like, "Oh, how old is cool. he now?" It's gonna be five. Oh, so it's like it's it must be exciting. Yeah, it's cool. Do you like music? Yeah, weird music. You know, just you play songs and the things he gravitates toward are weird. Like he likes the New York Dolls and the Heartbreakers and the Ramones. You're like, was he like a punk from New York or something? <laughs> is that you didn't get Didi? Yeah, is it I don't know. Is that a reincarnation of Johnny Thunders? Or you're up right. for some trouble, dude. It's like, what's this? I like this song. You know, it's like personality crisis. Really? Like, I don't know. That's what you. And probably, just random other songs like Rain Parade. I don't know. Just the bands. I don't know. You know. But there's definitely music that he doesn't dig. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, that's funny, man. Well, those are good. That's good music. I mean, oh like, yeah, it's just weird that it's a lot yeah. of it was like New York, oh, right. mid seventies. Well, the Ramones are pretty fun. Yeah, they're definitely a kid kind of band. And I think so, a couple of songs, the Dolls, like you know, uh, uh, what's the one with the Jungle Beat? Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the, the Jungle. jungle. Yeah. That's pretty fun. Yeah, I don't even know if he's heard that one. He's just like the hit, you know, the personality crisis. 
yeah and trash and and the like, like the heartbreaker songs like i don't know it sounds like you got your hands full yeah he's pretty raging and he's totally completely social which is of course great for me i don't talk to anybody but he'll talk to everybody like oh that's my dad you know just random people <laughs> everywhere he's talking and you just go hey <laughs> yeah he's, a, he's like so that's good for me to uh, your kid is actually taking you out into the world making yeah, you open up a little bit exactly what's on your t-shirt there oh some indian that's good that looks like a that looks like an alaska t-shirt or a seattle t-shirt right some truck stop kind of thing yeah so uh do you want to play a song uh i could yeah i can mic you i can do uh, it yeah i i yeah i can do it let's right. do it you get your guitar i'll set a mic up all right I can't believe you just taught yourself how to do that, seriously. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> don't know, you have to tell me anything. It's impressive. Well, you know, I got a, I had a lot of drum lessons. Okay. Maybe that kind of filtered through something. You're a fucking spectacular guitar player. So what, just do it. Start playing. Sure, there. man. Listen to me, I can't wait to see you, I can't wait to be you, I can't wait. The pain's on me, I can't wait to be you, I can't wait to feel you, I can't wait. Waiting's what we Not enough to give enough to you I wish there was a place to make sense A place where we could rest and we would know The pain's on me, I can't wait to be you I can't wait to feel you, I can't wait Listen to me, I can't wait to see you, I can't wait to be you, I can't wait. Or should it take so long? Something that's so I can't wait, I've done it in no state, longing I can't wait. Listen to me, is it right to be here? I can't fight, I can't when I'm not right. 
think it's all I do Listen to me Oh my god That was amazing Oh thanks Thanks man You wanna do another one? Uh sure I don't know <laughs> I love it man Cool it's fucking, This is like the best show I've ever been to <laughs> well, I'll start I'll go back to. I'll go way back then Way back I feel your eyes upon me How should I activate To feel so unsure always Give up on now, keep on this way The silence taps my But I stand and greet it Hold them on stop as long as I'll feed it The world drips down like gravy The thoughts of love so hazy Everyone's ideal of fun Repulsion Try and wake up Try and break it open It's not quite the right feeling I'll just keep on hoping The girls will smile say hello Darkness drags me back home It's hard to face it Still waiting, still alone The world dips down like gravy Thoughts of love so hazy Everyone's ideal of fun Repulsion Try and wake up, try and break it open, it's not quite the right feeling, I'll just keep on hoping. The world drips down like gravy, thoughts of love so hazy, everyone's ideal of fun, repulsion. Oh, fuck. That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot for being here, Jay. Cool. Thanks. How great was that listening to him play guitar and sing? How great was that? Holy shit. I can't even believe it happened. Pow! Wow, I just shit my pants. Justcoffee.coop, available at WTFPod.com. Look, that's our show. I hope you dug it. It's it's a very rare thing to hear Jay Maskus play acoustic guitar and sing in a garage. 
It's rare. So what else? Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Kick in a few shekels. Get some merch. Check the episode guide. See who's been on. Get the app. Upgrade to the premium app. There's another Mark and Tom show going to be in the pipe. When I go to Philly, me and Tom are going to do a uh, conversation jam. We're going to jam some talk. Uh, he's going to come down. We're going to do a hotel room hang and, and, and get, get into it. So we're hoping to get a couple of Mark and Tom shows in the can. I'm looking forward to some up and coming guests on the show. Going to be interviewing Lucinda Williams soon. I can't, I don't, I don't even, I'm beside myself about that. Beside myself. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to keep it together. December 68th, Helium in Philly. Wilbur Theater in Boston with a live WTF and a stand-up show. That's February 8th. That's a Friday. I will be announcing tour dates for next year soon. Remember... Uh, go easy on yourself, will you? You're not that bad. And Boomy lives!